Psalm 142, verses 3 through 7, hear the word of the Lord. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can take a seat. That starts off as a real banger, doesn't it? Really exciting, really uplifting. And it uh, takes a turn, but I'm excited to speak tonight about this psalm because I think it deals with something that we all um, recognize at some point in our life, something that we all struggle with at some point in our life, and something that we can all encourage one another in at some point in our life. I want to start right there in the first sentence. King David, who's the elected king of Israel by God, the same person who killed Goliath, loves the Lord, yet he writes, when my spirit grows faint within me. The scholars tell us that this psalm, Psalm 142, was written while David was hiding in a cave on the run from King Saul, who was the current king of Israel, who, because David was so popular and was to be the new king, wanted to kill David. So David regularly runs and hides in caves for fear of his life. That is where this psalm is written. And here in this psalm and sitting in this cave, David does something that that often we do and finds himself in a place where we sometimes find ourselves, and that is in a crisis of the self. A crisis of the self when our souls, when our spirits, when the deepest part of our being loses its way and loses its answer to the most fundamental question that we ask ourselves often every day. And that question is this, who am I? See, the answer to this question defines not only who we are, but how we exist. It's the lens through which we see the entire world. World. It shows us our deepest desires and it reveals where the most intimate parts of ourself come from. It determines not only who we are in individual moments, but where we will go in the future, how we will get there, and even what's going to be there when we arrive. Yet this psalm isn't a psalm of praise and thanksgiving, but it's a psalm of frustration. It speaks to trials, it speaks to hardship, it speaks to difficulty. You see, David knew who he was. He knew that he was the elected king of Israel. Of course he did, how could he not? But sometimes he needed a reminder. And sometimes we need that same reminder. So really quick, I want to delve into a little mental exercise. Close your eyes with me. And ask yourself the question that's on the screen that you shouldn't be looking at because your eyes are closed. Who am I? Who am I? At the deepest part of my soul, in my 
deepest sense of spirit, who am I? Am I my work? If I'm my work, my identity is defined by what I can accomplish. So bad day at work means that I'm probably going to have a bad night at home. Because if my value is found in my work, I only have value when I am creating value for somebody else. Keep your eyes closed. Does anybody know a workaholic? Maybe don't picture them. Try to, whatever you can do not to picture them. Now you're all picturing them. Workaholics exist because often their identity is found in their work. It's difficult to stop working when your work is who you are. Here's another question. Who am I? Am I my relationships? Am I the culmination of the interactions that I have in my day-to-day? Do I let others influence my sense of self? If this is the case, then the success and the failure of the relationships that I have in my every day will determine the success and the failure of who I am in my deepest sense of self. Keep your eyes closed. If your relationships are failures, then you are a failure. Therefore, most of your energies will be spent making sure that everyone else is happy. Because if you are your relationships, the happiness that exists in those relationships defines who you are. And that is unsustainable. Open your eyes for a second. Does anybody have that friend in college that got into a, um, we'll, we'll use little finger quotes, a finger quote, exciting and loving and fresh relationship and they were convinced that this person was the finger quotes again the one and uh, they're a part of your friend group and uh, they're a big part of your friend group but they enter into this relationship that is so exciting and so new and so fresh and and uh, they disappear from your friend group and they reappear in the life of this relationship and then eventually at some point the one, quote-unquote, turns into, quote-unquote, not the one, and they come back to the friend group. And they might say something to the effect of, when I was in this relationship, all my friends left me. And your response, in your, hopefully in your head, maybe not in your head, was, hey, we're all still here, and we're all still hanging out, and uh, actually you left. That is what it means to define yourself through a relationship. One more time, close your eyes. Let's ask this question. Am I my family? See, until the day you leave home for college or whatever it might be, your family is often the loudest and the closest voice in proximity to you. And if you have a family who loves and believes in you, They see you through a great lens of love. Telling you things that aren't necessarily true because they believe in you. They know that you can accomplish whatever you set your mind to do. They think you are capable of anything. And those expectations can be a little heavy, can't they? I know I've been there. I speak from experience. It's difficult when the people who love you most and believe in you most 
place expectations on you because of that love. You want to please them, but in pleasing them, you lose the answer to that question of who am I? And in pursuit of pleasing them, you lose yourself. Now, you might also be sitting there with the experience on the other side of that in family. See, not every family is loving and faithful and supportive. Some families are full of dysfunction. Family that's full of dysfunction tells you things that aren't true because usually dysfunction creates more dysfunction. And dysfunction creates confusion. All right, so open your eyes. Hopefully you're still awake. Verse 4 says, Look and see, there is no one at my right hand, and no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. So in response to those questions we just asked, does that sound familiar to anybody? It sounds familiar to me sometimes. Listen to Psalm 57. Yannick did a great job reading that that earlier. It's another song of David. Listen to what he writes. For the director of music to the tune of Do Not Destroy, of David when he had fled from Saul into the cave. Psalm 57, verse 1. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of of your wings until the disaster is past. Tim Keller has an amazing uh, devotional book, daily devotional in the Psalms. I would encourage you, if you're enjoying our Psalm series, to pick that up. It's cheap. Um, but he actually writes in regards to both Psalm 142 and Psalm 57. This Psalm and Psalm 57 come from the same experience when David was hiding in a cave from King Saul. The two psalms together show us how wildly our emotions can fluctuate within the same circumstances and the same framework of belief in God. In Psalm 57, David sees the cave as a place of God's protection. But in Psalm 142, this cave looks like a death trap to him. So we know then that King David's confidence in God swung wildly along with his own self-confidence, moving from self-confidence to self-doubt. And David, elect king of Israel, God's chosen one, understood weakness. Spurgeon writes that David was a hero and yet his spirit sinks. He could smite a giant, but he could not hold himself up. He did not know his own path nor feel able to bear his own burden. You see, deep down, David knows who he is. He has an answer to that question of who am I. But it's another thing to know the answer to that question and to trust the answer to that question when sometimes we don't see that. You see, that identity that we talked about earlier, It swings like a pendulum sometimes. And just like David, we move from self-confidence to self-doubt, from strength to weakness. 
Yet, still, it's easy to place that sense of self in places that feel tangible, that we can feel, that we're confident in. They hit close to home, our work, our relationships, our family. But if we choose to place our sense of self in those places, those moving targets like work and relationships and family, the storms will come, and just like David, we'll find ourselves hiding in caves and wondering who we are. We've got to make this transition and assume the confidence that comes with God's help that says, I know who I am. Listen to verses 5 through 7. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. See, the place that we choose to locate our sense of self is a choice. It's a difficult choice, but it is a choice, and it is available to us. In these verses, David makes his choice known. He says, you, God, are my refuge. You are my portion in the land of the living. So when we lose that sense of self, may we follow in the footsteps of David who chooses to recognize his sense of self in God, his refuge. Sometimes that, that sense of loss is a short-term sense of loss. I know I've been there. Maybe a job change has you questioning where you fit in the world, who you want to be. If the job that you want is the best thing for you, and it causes us to ask that question, well, it's tough to know the best thing for me if I don't know who I am. Or perhaps your sense of self is a little bit more complicated. Maybe you're actually sitting here tonight in your seat asking that question, who am I, wondering why you even exist? Why am I here? For what purpose do I serve? Sometimes when we get there, that sense of self is so lost and so far gone that it's really difficult to find your way out. But know that if you're asking that question, who am I, you're in really good company. David, as we've just talked about, felt that way. Jesus felt that way. Before his crucifixion, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. Listen to Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. David felt self-doubt. Jesus felt self-doubt. Therefore, it is okay to assume that that sense of self-doubt that we are feeling is normal. It is not the end of the world. Though it feels that way and can lead us to some decisions that could very well create a horrible situation for ourselves, know that what you feel is normal and that you are heard. But most of all, that the one who hears you is God. The same person who anointed David as king of Israel and the same God who saw Jesus through the Garden of Gethsemane. So our choice tonight is, one, to ask for help. We need help. When we, when we ask for help, maybe it's a point where we look around and see who's around us. Maybe you're the friend who left your friends for that relationship, and the relationship ended, and now you feel like you have no friends, and they're standing there saying, hey, you were the one that left, we're still here. Go back. Maybe you're in a job change, and Things are upside down and you're not sure where you fit. But there are people in your life who have navigated these same opportunities and same difficulties and have come out on the other side knowing who they are. And those are the people that are an asset. Maybe you're struggling with that sense of self because your family is telling you one thing and you feel something else. Maybe your family is bringing you down when you want to go up. And there are people around you in your life who have dealt with the same loss of self because of their family. And they are a resource to you. David wrote to God, listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me. I think that is where we land tonight. That even after we find friends and family and resources to us, there's still a final step, and that's to say, God, I need your help. God, I don't know who I am. At the deepest part of me, I feel lost. Help me. Ask God to remind you of who you are, to speak into your soul, and to lift your spirit, to bring you to a place where at your deepest core, the deepest sense of who you are, you have confidence because you are God's handiwork. You are God's masterpiece. So let's ask these three questions again. Close your eyes. Who am I? Who am I? Am I my work? No. My identity is rooted in Christ and who he says that I am. Therefore, I bring my true self into my work. My work is true to myself and the best that it can be. 
Inevitably, I will make a mistake, but that mistake does not define me because Jesus and his work on the cross define me. Ask yourself the question, am I my relationships? No. My identity is rooted in Christ and who he says that I am. Therefore, I bring my true self into my relationships. This doesn't mean that they will all work out. But it does mean that they don't define who I am. Because Jesus and his work on the cross define who I am. Finally, ask yourself, am I my family? No. My identity is rooted in Christ and who he says that I am. Therefore, I bring Christ into my family and into my home and allow him to shape the image and the function of my family, whether they are dysfunctional or not. Jesus and his work on the cross define me and defines my family. So open your eyes. I know, I know, I know, I know. This is so much easier said than actually done. But it's a choice. And we choose to root our identity and our sense of self-worth in God. A God who is good. A God who knows who we are and has the answer to that question of who am I at the ready. Psalm 139 writes that God formed us and knew us in the womb. And God knows us now better than we even know ourselves. So when we make that choice to place Christ at the head and allow him to shape and even become our identity. The reality that David experiences while hiding in the cave can become our reality as well. Verse 7, set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. When we define our sense of who we are in Christ, we're no longer in that cave, in that prison that we often create for ourselves. That prison of work, and that prison of relationships, and that prison of family. But we become truly free to be who we are in Christ. Free to sing, free to praise, and free to live with confidence and love and joy and expression. Because we are free to be who God created us to be. I like the end of the verse because it kind of speaks to contagiousness. Does anybody know those people in their life who have a firmly rooted sense of who they are in Christ? Does anybody know anybody like that? I know I do. My dad's like that. He's inspiring. Those people who know who they are inspire us to be more like them which inevitably makes us more like Jesus. So let's work to make that choice to define ourselves in Christ, knowing that that's contagious. 
and those that are around us that are struggling with that sense of self, with who they are, will find that sense of self rooted in Christ. See, when we're confident in who we are and we've made that choice to define ourselves in Christ, we're free. We're no longer every, overthinking every single piece of conversation, wondering if that was the right thing we said or if they're going to think we're a certain way because of something we said or if an action that I made defines me as someone I'm not. We're free from that. We don't have to worry about that because we know who we are at our deepest sense of self. We are God's. We are confident because our lives resemble, verse 5 in our psalm, I belong to God. He is my portion. He is my refuge in the land of the living. And that's where we are. We're in the land of the living. Band, will you come? That phrase, the land of the living, is exciting and difficult. Because I think what it says to us is there's something better than right now, and we know that, that is eternity with Christ. But in the meantime, here we are. And we have these questions of, of who we are, what we will do, and how we will act. And we have these questions of, are these the best people for me? Are they creating difficulty in my life? Am I creating difficulty in my life? It's like an infinite amount of questions that, really just seek to bring us down. Sometimes there are questions worth asking. Other times, I think we just need to stop, ask ourselves who we are, and answer that question. And how do we answer that question? I am God's. I am his handiwork. I am his masterpiece. He is with me as I am in him. And there's confidence there. So can we stand together tonight? And we introduced, I'm going to say it's new to us, but the song that Danny led us in, it's all about God's pursuit and the pursuit of God for us. And this is exciting because just as we are asking the question, who am I, knowing that God is the answer to that question, he is breaking down walls trying to tell us who we are. So it doesn't just stop with us. We seek the answer to the question, who am I, just as God is giving us the answer of who you are. And that is someone who is good in Christ, who is full of the presence and the power of God. So let's close our eyes together one more time. Who am I? Who are you? Where do you fit? Are you stuck in a cave? Are you stuck in a cave that feels like a refuge? Are you stuck in a cave that feels like a prison? If it feels like a prison, tonight is your opportunity to break out of that prison. Because you have the answer to the question of who you are. You are Christ's. You are God's. Lord, I pray that for those tonight who are struggling with who they are, break down those walls, break open those doors, 
and remind them that they are yours. Those who are struggling with their identity, placing it in work, or family, and relationships, would you remind them that they are not defined by those things, but they are defined by you and that you love them. And on this side of heaven, you are with us until we are with you eternally. God, we pray that you would come now, be with us, and reveal to us the deepest sense of ourself. That we would be confident in our identity that is found in you. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we sing together tonight?